When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drink it in now. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! <laughs> Drink it in Detroit Kool-Aid. This is Oakry. We are here. It is Thursday once again. I'm here. I got my man, the the myth, the legend, the big Hughes on the other what end up, of the line. Though? We're here with another Kool-Aid cast, and I want to kick it off right off the top. We're going to just get right into football. We had the first OTAs today. The media was there. Um, the juices are flowing. The Kool-Aid is uh, nice and fresh and, and cold, and we want to talk about um, one of our receivers today. We've got uh, Golden Tate. This guy, he hasn't been up in front of the media, but everybody knows he's kind of going into that last year contract. Um, he's making some good money now. I remember when we signed him, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know about that contract for Golden Tate. But the guy has been nothing but productive since he's been here. He seems to love it here. He seems to be kind of a quiet, different style of leader. So Hughes, he's heading to the last year of mm-hmm. his deal. Um, I think he's making around $7, 8000000 million right now. You know, wants to stay here, wants to retire a lion. Um, I know it's not like – right on top of us, but it is something to talk about, and he's an important piece of this team. So what are you thinking? I mean, do you do you extend him now? Do you kind of let this play out? Are you willing to pay this guy? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think as as a fan, as a huge fan of the Lions, like, I love Golden Tate. I mean, when we when we first signed him from Seattle, I'm like, okay, who's this bum? He hasn't done anything since coming out of Notre Dame. Like, if we get something from him, great. If we don't, whatever. But, you know, since, since he's been a big part of our offense, I feel like he's been – huge part of our offense so it's it's great I want to re-sign him as a fan if I'm looking at this as on a management side of the team I guess it depends on what he feels that he deserves I mean you know he the one thing about Golden Tate is he likes himself some Golden Tate I mean you know not as bad as you know T.O. or (laughs) those guys back in the day but you know he knows he's good he knows he can get a a lot of money somewhere else if it's not here so I think at the end of the day it's all going to come back to like where he values himself and where the Lions value him contract-wise. But as a player, absolutely, he's the type of guy that you want on your roster all day. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, he is kind of that quiet, confident, quirky kind of uh, player when it comes to certain things. Uh, but, man, his production has been off the charts since he's been here. Uh you know, just 9,200 catches every year, 1,000 yards, some of those huge touchdowns. One thing I love about Tate and players like him is, like, you can remember those those key touchdowns where he we needed a big play. This guy came up large and won us some football games. So you got to love that about the yeah. guy, too. I mean, not only his production when it comes to numbers, but some of these big plays that you can look back on where he's somersaulting in the end zone. He's house-calling one from 80 yards when we're down 14 to get us back in a football game. Yeah. So – I think that's huge. Um, I'm pulling um, just some of his info right now. He is 29 years old. Um, What do you feel about uh, where the age break is for a receiver? Do you see him falling off? Uh, uh, 
talk me through that a little bit because that's always part of the NFL is both age, your contract number, and where this team is headed. Yeah, I mean, obviously 29 in the NFL is kind of getting up there a little bit. Um, but, I mean, the, the way that he, I don't know, takes care, takes care of himself and does his offseason stuff, like, to me, age doesn't seem to be an issue with him. He's unique. He's a unique type of player with the amount of wiggle that he has when he runs. He doesn't necessarily take a lot of big hits. So he might, he might be aged, you know, and numbers, but I don't know if that necessarily takes a toll on how he, I mean, for the most part, he's been healthy for as long as he's been with the, you know, Lions knock on wood. But, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that doesn't, I mean, a three or four year deal, I would be comfortable giving him, um, but I wouldn't pay him like top 10 wide receiver money. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you kind of brought up his style, too. Yeah. Like one thing that's shocked me about Golden Tate, like I didn't know much about him either when he came here, as big a football fan as we are. We knew where he played in college. We knew he sort of was uh, okay, I guess, out in Seattle, but never really burst onto the scene. But since he's been here, he kind of has this weird game where he plays on the outside a lot, but he, he has an underneath kind of game where he just catches eight-yard ball, turns it into 20 moves the sticks, nobody can tackle him, where he doesn't blow me away like Theo does. You know how Theo catches a ball and you're like, oh, man, he's just breaking ankles yeah. or he's he's pulling the dead leg. Like, I don't see many ridiculous plays out of Tate, but every time he catches the football, at least three, four guys are, are on the ground or can't get him to the ground. So um, I think you're right about that. His style lends him to being, um, you know, both more durable and maybe that age not meaning as much because he's not running that – that that out route and just blowing by a corner he's right. he's coming on long crosses he's kind of catching bubble screens stuff like that so um i think that that does lend some to him i'm looking at it right now like can you believe this five years ago he signed a five-year 31 million dollar deal averaging 6.2 a year um and so with this final year at 29 he's gonna make seven million base mm-hmm. um my only thing is i I really don't want to go much more than that. Like if we're giving him another couple years, three at the most is maybe what I'd do. It's going to have to still be like eight, eight and a half, you know, a little bump up, but I can't go much more than that. Not only because it's the receiver position, but we got some young stallions out there, namely Kenny Galladay, um, that I'd like to get some more PT. So if he really wants a big price tag, you know, I'm not willing to go there. But, hey, if we can give you a nice raise for what you've done Mm -hmm. and also get you in your early 30s before you got to head out the door and retire a lion, I'm willing to do that. But if you want more, like, you can go play somewhere else. And, you know, love you, respect you, GT, but uh, that's just the business of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you that that would be ideal as far as where we want a contract to be. But if I'm, if I'm golden's agent, I at least want to be the highest paid receiver on the team. And I'm pretty sure Marvin is a lot higher salary cap wise than GT right now. So I have to assume that that's at least what they're going to be looking at is to, to get him as the highest paid receiver. Cause I'm, I'm super excited to get a full season of all three of those guys in the lineup together because they all offer something different, right? Like we talked about Tate's like our inside like wiggle guy and Marvin, you know, last year he started taking the top off defenses, catching long touchdown passes. And Kenny's got that big frame where he's like your possession, you know, that square in across the middle or even your out routes, whatever, like getting those three on the field at the same time is going to be magic. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, they all got the great skill sets. And it's funny you mentioned the money. I'm, I'm pulling it up and, uh, 
you know, Marvin, like, here's the crazy thing about the NFL. Whenever these contracts get doled out, everybody freaks out about them. But when you look at them, like, a couple years later, especially if you do it right, like, I think Bob Quinn, that's a whole other topic, but how he's kind of, you know, brought in these players at good ages, good upside, and good good money, like, for the most part. Like, we have Marvin Jones for 2018, 2019, and 2020, all at basically $6.5 per year. Oh, wow. See? Because the perception of that contract when he first signed it is he's got to be way higher than anybody else, any of the other receivers. Right. Well, it was five years, 40. So he's got he's got three years left, and GT's on the final year. But they basically signed the same deal a couple years. I think we had GT, what, two, three years before Marvin came in the game. Yeah. So it was just a few years later. But, man, you still got him at a crazy number. Like, we're going to love that number in 2020. Still going, hey, $6 million for Marvin Jones. Like, Marvin Jones will be, uh, what age is he here? 28 years old. So he'll be 30 when that deal is he's sitting there still at six like i mean we may have to uptick him too but to me these these dollars are lining right up where you want them especially at that position but you pay other spots and these guys are young and athletic like you just said marvin kind of came into his own last year and then you got gt who uh you know like i said isn't losing a step does a lot of different things than the other guys and i don't even think we've seen the surface of kenny galladay i guess my question when you said that was i was going who we got behind those three because it's nice to have three receivers like that that are kind of middle of the road and athletic and have high upside yeah. but after that there's a pretty big fall off of depth and quality of player so that's another reason maybe to keep uh keep tate around yeah. you know just keep that keep that trio going because uh it's a to me it's a nice trio no egos no nothing and just uh just ball players that all do different things like you said so yeah I, i'm i'm gonna vote to to keep him in town uh give him a extension kind of a pat on the back or reward for what he's done uh, keep being a leader keep loving the city of detroit and uh and just do it, like you say, kind of be shrewd, though. Do it at the right value and uh, just respect the guy. Yeah. You know? And I think hopefully that's what they'll do. I think at the end of the day, like, I think that the max the max I would go on, on re-signing a player like him is probably eight, eight and a half a year. I think that would be fair market value for, you know, probably a, a guy his caliber. So and anything higher than that, I'm probably passing on. But I think that's where I would, that's where I would stick my, in my foot in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that number and... Um, you know, we'll just have to see. Like, I'm, I'm thinking they don't really get anything done here in the near future, but I think that uh, towards training camp it could become a thing, and they can either get it done then or they could let him play out the year and still give him a deal maybe halfway through the year, yeah. something like that. But, um, you know, it'd be a nice way to head into camp to give this guy a deal who's uh, been a good player for us, a, been a good citizen, and a, and a, a kind of a quiet – not so quiet at times, I guess, leader, but yeah. a guy that's just uh, good for the team. Well, he's, so, you know, he's uh, like, uh, he's like Nate Burleson, but he can actually play. So, <laughs> oh, oh, don't, don't dog Nate. Lion man, blood. Uh, lion blood forever. We, uh, we loved him, but, uh, I got you. He's definitely a tick up in regards to production, yeah. quite a bit of tick up and uh, he's been more healthy than Nate ever was here. But like you said, when they brought in Nate, I guess their best case scenario was to get a guy like Golden State with his production and, um, his leadership and, uh, you know, at the at the cost they're getting them, which is really nice. So we'll uh, we'll both see, and uh, it's going to be important. So I'm glad we got a chance to chop it up about it. And uh, GT, we hope you're here. Uh, we love what you're doing. Keep it up, bro. Drink it in, man. 
drink it in, man. So Big Hughes, we're back here on the Kool-Aid cast. And one thing, we've talked about him before. We always talk about him. He's number nine. He's the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford. But one thing I want to talk about today that I don't think it's brought up much is, like, Matt Stafford is going to his ninth, tenth year for the Detroit Lions. What is this guy's absolute ceiling? Like, Everyone says, is he elite? Is he not elite? Like, where does he sit in the NFL pecking order? Mm-hmm. I just want to know if everything comes together, he stays healthy, he's got a run game, he's got an O-line, he's got some of these outside weapons now. How good can this guy be? Can he be top three? Can he lead us um, way deep in the playoffs after never winning a playoff game? Like, what are you thinking as far as he's got all the tools, but what's the best-case scenario for him, and what do you think he's going to do this year realistically? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely a question that's on the mind of many Lions fans, and I'll be the first to say that I am a huge Stafford fan. But until the likes of people like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those guys retire, I mean, he's not going to be a top three quarterback. But the Lions don't need him to be that type of quarterback for what they need. I mean, obviously his his legacy is all going to come back to whether or not he's the guy that finally pushes him through to win the Super Bowl. And if he's if he's that guy, then he'll forever be a legend in the state of Michigan, the city of Detroit, anywhere, anywhere, any, anywhere anybody cares about the Honolulu Blue, Matthew Stafford would be a living legend. I do think resume-wise, like, he obviously has put a crazy number of stats. One, because he's been in the league for nine, ten years. Two, he's only going to be about 30 years old. He's already climbing up the overall charts with career touchdown passes, career yards, different things like that. So at this point of his career, I mean, the next step, the ceiling for him would be to finally – get through that ceiling of winning a playoff game, getting to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. His legacy with this team relies on that and that only in my eyes. But let me turn the heat up on you a little bit, because to me that sounds like the same answer we always give, and it sounds like the same way that I introed it, what we always say, like, is he there? What's he going to do? Like, don't you think it's time? Like, I I feel like – uh, he, he had all those crazy numbers in the beginning because we were terrible. We just slung it around the field all day. The last few years, he's getting better accolades for, like, leader, and he's in better shape, and he's this and he's that. Like, I really want to see a dominant NFL season out of this guy. I'm talking back, turn the clock back to 2011 when he dropped 40-plus touchdowns, right. when he had 5,000 yards, when he was straight-up winning ball games for us. Like, when's the last time he dropped five, six touchdowns and won a football game? Uh, for us outright. We were just like, man, Matt Stafford won that game. Like, uh, He has more pieces, so I know what you're saying. He doesn't have to do that, but yeah. I'm getting frustrated by the guy that we're like, well, okay, he's going to make another step forward. Elite. Like, nine, ten years, man. Like, now right. is the time, and you got everything you need. Yeah, you have a new coaching staff and whatnot, but I'm talking about, like, my perfect scenario for this guy is he comes in this year and takes a big leap from where he was last year in regards to production. Like, I loved all the checks of the lines. I loved how he was kind of leading the team in that way. But I just want to see straight-up numbers. I want to see those low turnover numbers. I want to see high touchdown, high yardage numbers. And I want to see game-winning plays against the best teams, not like beating up on uh, the Clevelands of the world and the uh, Jets of the world. I want to see you come out in a big-time game against a big-time team and straight-up put them in the ground. And I think that – Time is now. So, I mean, if I push you a little bit on that, wouldn't you say the same thing? No, like, 100%. You know, stop tiptoeing around it. Let's let's get this guy at the top of the game. And, yeah, he may not be Tom Brady per se, but he needs to start being in that top eight, top five. Yeah. 
No, I'm, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. When they brought Matt Pat in and Bob Quinn and Stafford, they're all on a five-year deal, man. Like, the, the window is right now in this five-year span. So the, the step forward this season has to be a big enough one to put them in range to make that next leap forward and, and get into the, the, fi- the, you know, the big game, the Super Bowl. But, I mean, <clears throat> the one thing about Stafford, the one knock that he has, the one thing that to me always stands out, when we need like when we need something big to happen on the field is sometimes he gets a little loosey goosey with his accuracy. So I think like to me to make him come into that elite status, I want to be watching a game one time and just see Stafford dime every single pass, not mm-hmm. not overthrow the tight end on a five yard out, not underthrow one, not try to do something silly, just a dime every single time. Because you watch games when you watch guys like Aaron Rodgers, when you watch guys like. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, those guys, they're not missing passes that often. I mean, they always talk about the strength of Stafford's arm, but his downfall has always been his accuracy. So for me, for him to be in that category, top five, top quarterback, that's where he needs to step his game up, and he needs to be on point all game long. Oh, man, no doubt. And just to to put a button Mm -hmm. on this segment, like the one thing you said about being accurate is – perfect and right on point like just you know in the big time moments like just not missing those passes but but my thing and I want to put this out there this is a Matt Stafford house and podcast like the Detroit Kool-Aid cast is all about number nine and leading this team there's not many other guys we like as our signal caller but what I want him to do is come out and put the hammer down on people because I can't even remember the last game that we just came out and blew someone out basically from the get-go like, the closest thing was that meaningless game uh, against the Packers where we really put it to yep. them, but they didn't have any of their players and it didn't matter. We turned the clock all the way back to me and Grifka at a game against Kansas City probably five, six years ago where it was, like, his third year or something, and he just put it on on, like, five touchdowns, 400 yards, like, blew him out 40 to 7. Like, can we get one of those games every once in a while? Because right. I feel like every game we're sleepwalking through the half, yeah. and we're going, man, why are we so terrible? And then we turn the heat up, and we start putting some plays in together, and we gotta hit, we gotta bite it out, we gotta fight it out all the way to the end. Like that's another step I'm just looking for him is, hey man, if we're better than the other team, come in with a with a sense of cockiness, confidence, come in, be crisp from the get go. You don't need a quarter or two quarters to get get rolling. Like get in there, get rolling from the the first quarter on. And uh, even if you're up 14, yeah. go bury somebody. Put another one on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like we, maybe with this new coaching staff, will have that attitude. But I felt like the coaching staff and Stafford the last couple of years have been more like, uh, oh, I'll get into the game. i got to figure out the other team. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's like sometimes that's right. And other times you got to come out better than you've come out and get it done. So uh, that's my other challenge. Uh, Matt Stafford, just be a little bit more crisp throughout the game. Bring it all quarters and put your foot down on people as the leader of this team and uh and take that next step there's no doubt because here's the thing is i can't blame him for the slow starts last year because i can only imagine the fire that jim caldwell spits out in his pregame speeches <laughs> i mean stafford right. probably wasn't awake until the, the third quarter of most games <laughs> right he's, he's sitting there uh-huh. looking at all his teammates wondering what the heck is this old man talking about he's he's firing <laughs> up the church choir you get Matt Pat in there with his pencil in his ear, he'll be ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go right now. Give me a football. I'll throw the thing quarter mile. Oh yeah, man, that's a good point, man. They got to uh, lead, but 
there's got to be that internal fire. I mean, he's got this quiet fire about him. You know, we've seen him bark at players and whatnot, mm-hmm. but come on, man. Just uh, nobody should have to get this guy fired up. Like, just come out there. It's, it's pretty pretty easy to get fired up when you're dropping touchdowns and points on people. And he just needs to do a little bit more of that to, uh, to be at that elite level. So I'm putting the bar at, like, you know, like top – top six to eight quarterback on the low end. And I'd love to see him in that top five this year in regards to stats, but in regards to just winning ball games and being at that upper echelon. hundred percent. And on the top of that, just give me a playoff win, win a playoff game this season, make it happen. Yes. Yes. A playoff win. If you can give me multiple, we really like that too. Cause everything doesn't need to be a baby step. We don't need to win one playoff game this year and get bounced and then come and try to win two next year. No, win the whole like, damn lots thing. Of t- do it. Lots of teams take a big leap, so why don't we just go try to win the whole dang thing? And uh, But at a bare minimum, like you say, this year, not only get in the playoffs, get in there and have some comfort towards the end of the year. Put a W inside of Ford Field in the postseason, and then take us deeper than that, uh, would you please? So, Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's time, and I think we're setting that uh, here at the Kool-Aid cast. This is ceiling, and uh, there's no better time than now. So, Big Hughes, you still with me on the other end of the line, bro? Oh, yeah. All right. I got to take this topic right now, and this is one. We've been Lions fans for years. Am I right? Uh, Yeah. We've been talking on football for years. Am I right? Oh, yeah. We've seen quite a few coaching staffs come in and out the door. Am I right? You're right. (laughs) All right. So, what I want to talk about right now are all these New England Patriots that are flowing through the doors here at Mm -hmm. Allen Park. Every day, every time I wake up, we got an old, a new Patriot coming through. We're signing Patriots. We're trading with the Patriots. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, it sounds good. Oh, they know the system. They've won this, that, and the other. My mind sort of just goes back to, remember when Rod Marinelli came in here? Who? Who? You know, Captain Rod with his shovel? And his pick and his axe and whatever else he had that oh, he was yeah, going to yeah, yeah. dig, dig deep with. Remember that guy? Kind of had like a leg sleeve on oh, yeah. and waddled around the sidelines. Oh, and 16 Rod, that guy? Yes, oh, okay. that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, you remember what kind of players we ke- we kept bringing in when he came here? Oh, yeah, the, the creamsicles. Ah, yes, Tampa Bay Bucks coming in and out the door. Uh, remember when Jim Schwartz came in here? Remember him? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure do. <laughs> the guy that would fight you at the 50 if you pushed him too yes, hard? Yes, he does not like Jim Harbaugh, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, not a fan of handshakes. No. Um, who, who who did he keep bringing in when uh, when when he came through the doors? Uh, who, who, who? Some Tennessee Titans. Lots of Titans yes. coming through the door, right? Remember even a whole offseason where he wanted Albert Hainsworth? Yes. Remember that name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 million? Oh, yeah. Uh, how did he work out? Good thing he didn't come here. Yeah. So we, we're bringing in all these people, and here we go again. Where these guys just bringing in guys they know, bringing, but everyone gives them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, it's the Patriots. Oh, they've won. Oh, they're young. They're this. Like I'm leaning more towards this. Probably is different because of Bob Quinn, much more um, football savvy than Martin Mayhew. Uh, that other guy that has two M's that we shall not speak of. Mm-hmm. Like. 
what do you think about this? Like, there's coming through, just throw some names at you. We just signed Trevor Bates, inside linebacker with the Patriots. We've got this Chris Lacey who was in the draft and claimed off waivers, I guess sort of with the Patriots. Um, we already know about the other players they brought in, both for visits or just on the team. Like, you think this is a good thing, bad thing? I mean, me. honestly, I, I, I feel, like, very indifferent about it, um, especially with, it, like, these Patriots guys because – one is the guy was just drafted, so he has no insight inside about the Patriots about anything. And the, the second guy I've never heard of, so either I'm I'm out of out of the loop or he's just nobody important. Um, I just think it, it happens with with new front offices and coaching staffs coming from different teams. You know, they're just you know when I think about this, I think about fantasy football, and I think about the person that I trade with the most, and that's you because I'm most familiar with you out of everybody in yeah. our league. And that just works works out the way it is. There's no plus or minus behind it, but we just seem to work out the most trades. And I think this this kind of falls in line with that. I mean, I get it, like the the, the Matt Castle part of it, because he was a Patriot, right? So I, yeah. I think he, he, he might fall along the lines of maybe my initial thought is, oh, he'll help the offense. But I'm like, wait a minute, we're not taking the Patriots offense. JBC is back, so... So I really don't think there's anything that goes into it. I think it's just a matter of like, okay, we we know this guy, we're familiar with this guy. We don't have to dig too deep into his background. We don't have to, you know, check with his uh, Pop Warner football coach to see what he's really like. Like, we don't have to go too far in depth because we've already done this work at some point. So let's save ourselves a little bit of time and just sign some guys that we're familiar with. Yeah, I I agree with you on the trade aspects. Like that's kind of what the NFL comes down to are these like relationships you build over years and some people are easy to deal with some people aren't I guess like when it comes down to these these low level or these free agent guys like a parade of patriots uh unless they're good patriots that are young and that are athletic that's the thing I'll give them it seems like every time they bring someone in you know other than some of the d linemen they kind of kick the tires on like they are pretty young and they might know something we don't so I'm not totally knocking it I just feel like we've seen it before and I don't want it to be this bad trend where we look back in a year or two and go, oh, man, we got all these old or these these no-good Patriots, and the Patriots are over there winning Super Bowls still. So it's just ironic. Obviously, everybody bringing it up, talking about it, oh, another Patriots. So I thought it was something to uh, to note here on the Kool-Aid cast. But um, with that, with the Patriots coming in and out and all this other stuff, what I want to transition into is this talk about position flex, position yeah. flexibility. Like, it seems to be Bob Quinn's, like, number one thing that he looks for is, uh, you know, almost doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how much you can do and how many spots you can play. Like, what do you think about this? I mean, they're moving people all over. They got people flip-flopping. Like, I think over our time looking at football and fantasy football, we started to realize, yeah, you really got to be versatile because of all the injuries. But um, talk to me a little about position flex, some of the guys you've heard about, where they're moving them around, what you think will work, not work. What do you think? Yeah, so, you know, when I hear position flex, you know, it just kind of reminds me of something. So I just want to be the first one to to say, to congratulate and say happy, happy Ragnow Day. Uh, before we get started yes. on this segment. Um, yes, thank so you. So as, as a first-round pick, one of the things they talk about with Ragnow is his, what, flexibility and in the positions that he can play, right? So yeah. the articles are already streaming in today about, oh, he worked at guard here, he worked at center here, blah, blah, blah. I think, like, really what it boils down to for most GMs and why they like to have that flexibility is not only does it help 
with like when you're injured or depth, but it helps when you're, when you're calculating or figuring out your final roster. Right. So you don't have to Uh add, you don't have to have more bodies on the offensive line than you would. So you can take an extra corner or an extra wide receiver instead who could do more things or an extra defensive lineman rather than an extra offensive lineman. So typically, obviously, you start five offensive linemen. Most of the time, you'll have two or three guys on the bench in case of injuries, a couple other guys on your practice squad. So you don't want to have to carry more than seven or eight guys on your 53. So if you have a guy like Greg now who can play both guard and center, then that, that's beneficial. So say Glasgow gets hurt, you don't have to you know, find another guy to replace him. You slide him over, and you, have, you, know, you just got to plug someone in wherever Happy uh, Ragnow Day was playing. Especially in the same thing with like the secondary, um, you know it's been huge last year with Quandre Diggs starting the season playing slot corner and he was just tearing it up. According to our friends at uh, Pro Football Focus, he was one of the highest rated, you know, slot corners in the league last year. And you know injuries injuries came up and they were able to shift him back to safety and he picked up right where he left off. So I mean it's just it's nice to have guys who can play multiple positions so you're not always taking guys off the field and just throwing in guys who can't play other areas if that makes sense oh oh definitely i think it's i think it's a huge uh, piece that we may have done in the past but now it's doing at such a high level i'm just kind of looking at the depth chart right now as we're chatting and i'm just throwing some names at you like when i'm thinking position flex and just different spots like thinking with the old line i'm looking at rag now has got position flex Glasgow, um, Joe Dahl can play tackle and guard. Terrell Crosby, the rookie, can play uh, inside and outside. Um, You know, there's about four guys I named just on the O-line that can flex out. You go to the D-line, you're looking at guys. um, In my opinion, Zettel can play in and out. We just got Deshaun Hand, who's an inside-outside. This Jeremiah Ledbetter, I really don't know anything like they seemed high on this guy. I can't remember anything he did last year, but I remember them saying he's an inside-outside mm-hmm. player. Um, Cornelius Washington can do a little bit of that. Um, and then when you move to, like, our corners and whatnot, I feel like our corners, uh, you know, not only do we have a good corner group, but um, as, as far as Diggs being able to flip inside uh, corner and back out to safety, um, some of our linebackers being interchangeable and whatnot, like um, – you know, I feel like our receivers are pretty set, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of flex there, but not a ton. So, I mean, when you can have flex in your D line, your O line and your back end, like to me, that's just going to bode so well, like you said, for injuries, moving them around, like, and, and the other thing I love about Quinn and when he says position flex is like, I remember when they showed the call with happy rag now day, he was like, Hey, we don't know where we're going to play. It might be guard, it might be center. We'll figure it out. Like to me, everybody's worrying about where these guys are going. And I'm excited. They're putting them in odd spots because you know how it is. Like when you're a good center and somebody puts you at left guard, you're like out of your element. So it makes you focus more and it makes you learn it because, Hey, we might just move you back to center, but we at least want to get you familiar now when it doesn't matter. So put them all over the field, all of these other places. They even had Nick Ballore. He's playing offense now full-time, they said right. today, um, moving guys around like that from one side of the ball to the other. So I think it can't do anything but help, and I think that um, we take it for granted of just being like, oh, you know, okay, position flex. Like, it really is important, and I bet if you went down and broke down the Patriots from back in the day, 
they had tons of those guys who not only could move all over, but were filling in left and right. Yeah. And that's why they never saw a big drop. Right. Because at the, at the end of the day, you want to be able to play a defense, your best 11, no matter what the position is. So having, having the flexibility in your players to line them up where you line them up, gives you that ability to play your best 11, not play your best two inside defensive linemen. And then, okay, well, this guy's my third defensive end but he's not as good as my third defensive tackle who I could play on the defensive end. So it just gives you the ability to play, to play your best 11 at all times. And the same thing with the offensive line, you're going to play your best five. You might know like where three of those five positions are going to be, but you know, that your best five is going to be on there. And that best five is going to include Ragnall and Glasgow, but who cares where they end up playing? That's your best five, right? So that's your, that's, that's how they're going to line up. And with your best five, we finally got to get to the point, not only at the O-line, where you got, like, two backups that aren't backups. Like, hey, I'm a backup right tackle, and that's it. Right. Like, you got to be a backup lineman, meaning backup guard, backup center, backup right guard, backup tackle. Yep. You know, in a perfect world. And same, like, the spot I still feel, and we'll get to it another day, is the defensive ends. Like, I feel like a big injury there and we're going to be out of luck, you know, mm-hmm. even though we can move people around a little bit, like we need to get more flex out there. Maybe that'll come with the scheme, but you know, like you say on your D line, just give me your best. Uh, what do they keep? Usually six, yeah. six D, D linemen on a day, mm-hmm. you know, give me your best six and, and move them. I mean, I heard all types of things today. They're only playing three man fronts. They got, they got canard rushing off the edge every play. Like to me, you know, they'll be able to figure out how to get to the quarterback, but we need a little bit more flex on that side of the ball. Just saying, give me six good football players on defense, five good linemen, and make it work on a Sunday. Yeah, and, and, and you uh, know what? That's what position flex and that's And that's the stuff, I mean, just hearing that, like, you know, oh, they're only line up three, Connors rushing it. You know what that is? To me, that's a, that's a coach putting his, his roster in the, the best position to succeed, not trying to squeeze a roster into what you think is the best. Right. So say, yep. for example, yep. back in the day when old Captain Rod took over and he's all about his yep. Tampa two, but he he yep. wouldn't flex away from the Tampa two. Even if we didn't have the guys necessary, we were going to play the Tampa two. And then Jim Caldwell or not Jim Caldwell, Jim Schwartz. He wanted the wide nine. It didn't matter if we had the right guys to do it. He wanted the wide nine. And you know what, Patricia so far, he's coming in. He's saying, OK, these are what I have. This is what would be the best to help our defense to succeed. That's why I'm not saying this is what my scheme's going to be because that's what that's what good coaches do is they adjust their scheme, their package to the players that they're dealt. Perfect, man. I think that's a perfect way to kind of close up the Kool-Aid cast today. We've got guys that have position flex that can move all around the field and they're good, solid football players. That's what we want. Um, it doesn't matter if they're Patriots or non-Patriots. If they're coming in, they can play football and you can also move them around all the better for this team winning games. So Hughes, I totally appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming in on the uh, Detroit Kool-Aid cast again, everybody out there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, You know, send us some messages, uh, interact with us. Uh, We're going to keep this thing going and man, it's, it's just the end of May. Um, We got some exciting OTAs we'll be talking about kind of just finishing up today. So we'll we'll hit that up uh, on our next cast. And then we'll be, uh, before you know it, man, training camp will be heading and we'll be talking real football before you know it. So can't wait for that. So Big Hughes, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy Ragnow Day. Yes, sir.
drink it in, man.